And I think this heart rate training has actually been really good for me because I'm trying to lay down a strong foundation, build that base. I think one of the things that as a you know, everyday runner, I've not really done a good job at and why I've, I've struggled in certain races is I haven't had that base. Mm-hmm. And it's all about that base, Stephen. It's all <laughs> it about that base. You got to build. No trouble. Hi, this is Joe Kern, and I'm a big-ass runner from Greenfield, Indiana. Welcome to the Big-Ass Runner Podcast, where we entertain and encourage trail runners from all over the world. Now, here's your host, Jeff, the Dizzy Clydesdale Herald, and Stephen Jack like John Denver Pritt. Well, thank you, Joe. And you nailed it. Stephen, you're Jack like John Denver. I so am. John and I have the same physique. I can't sing like him, but yeah, that's awesome. And you know what, Jeff? I thought it was funny. Joe is actually from Greenfield, Indiana. And isn't that kind of like the whole entire state? Isn't that just it's very like, green and it's a field? <laughs> I think that's where all of our crops come from, doesn't it? I think so. In uh, our basketball. In our basketball, right. Well, Jeff, I don't know if you know this, but Joe actually is getting ready to run across the state of Indiana in October, and he's doing it, Jeff, not just for fun, although I'm sure he'll get jacked. You'll see like, a lot of green fields. He'll see a lot of green fields, and no doubt he will be jacked like John Denver no after doubt. doing that. I don't know if he's going lengthwise, like up and down or side oh, to side. I, think he's, I hope he's going side to side. <laughs> Me too, but anyway, it's really cool. So Joe's doing this to raise money for a local food pantry. And he's got a really cool website called runacrossindiana.com. And we just want to say, first of all, Joe, thanks for doing the introduction. And we're really excited about you. And thanks for running and putting a purpose to that. Well, welcome to the Big Ass Runner. My name is Jeff Harrell. And I'm Stephen Print. Stephen, I don't know if you know this. I probably don't. This is episode 53, which means this is the last episode for year one of the Big Ass Runner. I cannot believe this. It seems just like yesterday we were sitting in Tim and Marcy's house around the kitchen table. That's true. Our first episode was at the, in their dining room. <laughs> in their dining room, right. Exactly. We're like, hey, it's the pandemic. We're bored. If we don't have anything else to do, let's try this podcast. And the big ass runner herd is very smart. So they're thinking, well, Jeff, there's 52 weeks in a year. This is episode 53, but we launched with two episodes, Stephen. So technically... This is the end of year one. Wow. No data scientists needed for that, but they sure would have called that out for us. So They sure would have. And we have an awesome show planned because it's the last one of the year. Yeah. The last one of year one anyway. We have an awesome show. Here's what we're going to do, Stephen. First of all, I have this leadership guy I listened to, uh -huh. and he talked about long-term planning and I thought, you know what? An ultra race is a long-term plan. It is. It's one that you're committed to. So yeah, that's it, really cool. It is. So we'll talk about that. And then in segment two, I'm not even going to tell you what it is. I'm so excited about this. Yeah. We're going to end year one on a bang, on a high. It's going to be awesome. Like a Rocky Mountain high. Oh, John Denver. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Thank Nicely you. done. Thank you. Thank you. But before we get to the show, I thought, Stephen, since we are ending year one, we could talk maybe a little bit about some of our favorite segments from the first year. Yeah, I think that would be really good, Jeff. I think having done, this will be our 53rd episode, like you said, so many good memories. I can't think of one episode. It's like, oh, I don't much care for that one, but they're all so unique. And for you, Jeff, what are some of the ones that you kind of think about or ones that kind of like, oh yeah, I remember that one, or that's a good one for a new listener. I went back and looked and 
it's funny. The first episode, you start at the beginning. Right. We introduced Timmy Time. He was in the very first he one. He was in the very first episode. We introduced Timmy Time. And the second episode, which we dropped at the same time, right. had Marcy Baser. And I would say, as I think back about year one, those two characters, you know, they're <laughs> our friends of ours. Right. We knew they were funny. Right. We thought they'd be great on a podcast. And sure enough, they have been fantastic. Yeah. I mean, think fantastic is the right word. And I think, you know, Jess is kind of funny because I think people, they know that part of our goal is to entertain, to encourage, and this is for everyday trail runners. But you and I, and then also Tim and Marcy, this is pretty much who we are. Yep. If you, if we were to pull Marcy and Tim and put them in your kitchen or you guys would go for a run, this is exactly who they are. Like we're not placating or making yeah. characters. This is exactly who they are, which is awesome. When I say they're characters, that's their true character. <laughs> right, exactly. They're awesome people, as you guys have gotten to know over the, the year and, and just fantastic, which I love that word, yeah. by the way. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Fantastic. What about you, Stephen? Anything that stands out? You know, once we started going, that was kind of in August. I know leading into the fall, we did an episode where we kind of told stories about some of our scariest moments, like where we got run over by some Clydesdales, the freaky guy on the Frisbee golf. And, and Ashley shared her story about getting caught in a storm at the top of a mountain. Yeah, it's like, what the hail? All that hail came down on her. And <laughs> yeah, she had to run for her life. So I think that little series was kind of fun because it had a kind of a spooky Halloween-y kind of feel to it. Yeah, if you want to go back and listen to those, that's episodes 11, 12, and 13. Stephen, I would say one of the most popular segments that we've been doing throughout the year is Stephen's new ass stuff. You love gear. I do. It is really a kind of a, a problem. Well, it's a problem maybe for your budget, but it's, <laughs> it's a benefit for all of us that get to listen. And, and I think you've had some amazing recommendations throughout the year, but also the episode, I think it was episode 18, where we had Sarah Vandernoot on talking about Vanderjacket. Right. That was a really great episode because we got to hear the heart behind Vanderjacket, mm -hmm. her dad being a runner for Nike and just being inspired by design and being inspired by things she sees on the trail. I thought that was a great episode. Yeah, and it's kind of cool. I think that's what's nice about that too, Jeff, is that I found Vander Jacket online and then I saw one of our big ass runner followers wear Vander Jacket and then I DM'd her and was like, hey, are they really that cool? And she's like, yeah, I've got like two or three of them. It's just kind of that thing where just seeing this organic community grow and see it all kind of work together. I think another highlight for me is we had our buddy Morgan Freeman <laughs> On the show, believe it or not, and everyone that's new to the show right now is going, what? Yes. Check out episode number 21. He did a Twas the Night Before Christmas Big Ass Runner edition, and I loved it. Yeah, we just called Mo up and said, hey, I know you're busy during the holidays with all the things and talk shows and movies, but would you mind just squeezing us in? And he did a fantastic job. And that Twas the Night Before Christmas is actually a Big Ass Runner edition. So it is. It might have a little bit of a change to it. It has a special little twist. So check that out. Again, that's episode 21. Stephen, one of our most popular segments, and I think it's both of our favorites as well, uh -huh. is Why I Run. And believe it or not, we didn't do the first Why I Run until episode 23. Really? I feel like we've been doing it the whole entire time. Nope. Andy did the very first one. So get out a pen if you want to check out all the Why I Runs. Episode 23, 24, 26, 32, 38, 39, 46, and 47 
and maybe 53. What? Maybe. (laughs) I think there's a little Easter egg you just dropped in there. Dropped a little Easter egg for you. Yeah, Jeff, I think another one we have that's really good, too, is number 43. It's a tale from the trail with Courtney Boyle. I think that one was really cool, and I'm really excited about the episode we did. Yeah, her Cocodona story, that's just such an amazing... She had not done anything more than 100K, and to do 258.7 miles in Arizona was a great story. Definitely want to check that one out as well. And then I think, Stephen, we had Dr. G on for two-part series, episode 41 and 42, such wisdom. Yeah. And go back to and, and check out Scott Gracer's episodes. He drops wisdom nuggets like they ain't nothing. Yeah, it's like you could just chew on those for a little bit. It's like beef jerky on the road trips. So, yeah, I think that's really cool because a lot of people really, I think, appreciated Dr. G and just him being an athlete and a triathlon runner, but yet bringing that perspective into mental health and that as an issue and something we should be aware of. So I'll, we got a lot of feedback on that one as well, too. We did. It kind of wrapped this up. We introduced pretty late in the year a new segment called My First Trail Race in episode 48 and 49 from Danny and from Andy. Those have been very well received too, so check those out as well. And with that, Stephen, let's get going on episode number 53 of The Big Ass Runner. Well, Stephen, I was listening. And so I've been doing heart rate training, as you know. Right. You've been very faithful with that, too. I know we say that and you hear it, but I think when people don't understand, like when you're starting out heart rate training, it is like a full out commitment. It is not easy. I've seen you do it. I tried it and just to be completely transparent, I stopped doing it. I think I even gave you my heart rate monitor. You did. I'm using it. I was just, I just, I don't have the patience, but Jeff, your patience is pretty amazing. So if people don't know to get started in this, it is a very difficult mental and, and just, you really have to stay after it. I just want to say personally, like super impressive. I appreciate that because I've been doing a lot of circles around a track. <laughs> and one of the reason people are like, well, you don't have to run around on track, which I don't. But I do it because a couple of reasons. One is I don't have to worry about where I'm going or how far I'm going. I can just run between the lines, right? (laughs) make a lot of left turns. (laughs) And so I've been running around the track. And also the reason I do it is because I can listen to podcasts. I don't normally listen to podcasts while I run on trails. Uh I like to be able to hear really well. But I'm able to just put on a podcast and go. And so I've been listening to a lot of leadership podcasts recently. And an episode I was listening to the other day is one I thought I would share because this person's name is Stu McLaren. He's kind of a marketing leader Mm -hmm. and someone I, I listen to. And he's got a lot of wisdom. But he was talking about people that are successful long term. Mm hmm. Versus short term. And I thought, well, there's nothing more long term than ultra running. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Right. The race, the training, like everything that you do, you know, we're not sprinters. It's not, you know, your race isn't over in seconds and it's over in hours usually. Right. And I thought as I was listening to his, you know, he's called the three P's of long-term thinking. I thought it really fit well with ultra running. Yeah. And as I listened to it, I really want to share that on the podcast. So 
That's what we're going to do, Stephen. I love it. So, Jeff, so he has three Ps. Well, what are they? Well, it's interesting <laughs> because you mentioned the first one inadvertently just oh a second ago. Yeah. The first one is patience. Uh, yeah. And if you're a long-term thinker, and I think this is the challenge with today is everything is now. Yeah. You know, microwave ovens and I want success now. I want a new body now. Mm-hmm. I want the corner office now. <laughs> Like people, you know, you you just have this mentality of, I want it now, fast food restaurants, the whole thing. But ultra running and long-term thinking, long-term success is a lot about patience. Right. And waiting for things to happen. And I can tell you that this heart rate training (laughs) requires a lot of patience. But here's the guy, I'm pointing at myself. This is the guy who has no patience. I'm the guy, if you're at the grocery store, and you're looking at the lines, you try to pick the one that you think is going to move the fastest and be the shortest. And if it's not, you get all upset. Right. That's me. I have no patience. Yeah, it's funny. I think the only time that I really see it in you, and again, this is not a flaw or anything like that, but usually it's when we all go out for a race, you know, like the four of us, our crew basically. And then the thing that we love the most is going to get breakfast afterwards. And usually when right about the time we're going to get breakfast, it's, you know, towards the end of breakfast time period. So the cafe or the greasy spoon restaurant or whatever, it's full and we're all like craving pancakes and that kind of stuff. And if there, <laughs> if there's a little bit of a line or I think last time you and I went, there's some people that got seated before us. <laughs> yeah, that shouldn't have. <laughs> exactly. And Not that I was counting. Right. No, no. And I think that's the only part where I've seen you like, okay, your patience wanes pretty quickly. So I'm really trying to work on that. And I think this heart rate training has actually been really good for me because I'm trying to lay down a f- strong foundation, build that base. I think one of the things that as a you know, everyday runner, I've not really done a good job at and why I've, I've struggled in certain races is I haven't had that base. Mm-hmm. And it's all about that base, Stephen. It's all it about that base. You got to build. No trouble. No, that's right. No trouble. You've got to build that base. And I think this heart rate training has been really good for me, not only in my training and running, but just in life in general. I'm trying to get in the slow lane on the highway and just be okay with that. Right. It's hard. It really is. And I think we talked about this in one episode. Tim was making fun of me because I'm notorious for not being patient in races where I want to go out and go fast. And sure enough, either I'll get poached at the end by Tim or I'll run out of juice or I'll bonk. So I think you're right. For a trail runner, it's patience is really key. I would also say, too, if there are people that are new to trail running or new or to trail running, even if you're not doing heart rate training, the idea of being patient because... A lot of people, we've had some listeners that used to be road runners and now they're exploring trails. You have to be patient. You know, if you run a six minute mile on the road, you can expect to run an eight minute mile. At least, yeah. Yeah, on the trails. It's just not the same. And you you have to be patient with that change. So patience is P number one, Stephen. The second one, and this is I'm a little bit better at this one, uh-huh. I think, as a as a seven, Enneagram seven, where I I just like, you know, I have this optimistic thing about me, uh-huh. but it's persistence. Oh, yeah. Staying after it. If you have a bad run, it's okay. Yeah. Get out there the next day and you'll have a better run. Just staying after it, not quitting. And I think as I reflect on the first year of the Big S Runner, story after story of persistence, mm-hmm. staying after it, 
you know, maybe failing DNFing the first time, I think a little bit too, of Jim Walmsley's first Western States. He got lost. He was going to win. He got lost. <laughs> oh my God. His second one, he had stomach issues and DNF'd, but he stayed after it. And his third one, he won and he's won now three in a row. So I think one thing that ultra runners do really, really well, and I think is a key ingredient to being a good trail and ultra runner is persistence. Yeah, I think you're right because you're going to fail. Yeah. <laughs> if there's not an option, it really is. I mean, like we talked about that before, like there's no perfect race. There are going to be some things you may DNF a race. You may put all this training into it and have a bad race. I mean, there have been times where I feel like I'm in top peak performance. I'm going to nail this and this is going to be the race. And for whatever reason, it just doesn't, or, you know, sometimes even that morning, you just don't have it kind of know when you feel it and you don't have it. And so not giving up and getting back out there after your recovery and starting the whole process again, takes a lot of persistence to do. So these are really good. This is a marketing guy. You sure he's not a trail runner? He may be a trail runner. You know, it's funny when I was doing half marathon, Steven, I was trying to break that two hour mark. Do you remember that? Yeah. And my first, I think it was my first three or four. Didn't quite do it. I had the 215 and then a 210 and then like a 204. Uh-huh. And then we ran together and we broke it. We yep. had 153. I do remember that. And I just thought, okay, that's good. Persistence yeah. is important. I like the word grit. It doesn't start with a P though. So right. can't, can't use that one. <laughs> but man, I just think if, if anything, trail runners are persistent. So I love that one. Yep. That's awesome. The third one, Steve, are you ready? It starts with a P. What? I feel like there needs to be like a beacon of light in here or something. <laughs> well, this, this could probably pertain to that. Right. Positivity. <laughs> Positivity. Having that positive attitude. And that doesn't mean that everything's going to be positive. Right. You're going to have some difficult times out on the trails during races, in training. You may get Injured, Scott's going through that right now, but he's remaining positive because he knows he's trying to be patient too. Right. That that's going to heal and he's going to be out there again soon. And so I think positivity is one of those things. You put all these three P's together, really help an ultra runner. Yeah, I think that's so good because I think I like the way you described it too. Like Sometimes people think positivity is like carelessness and happiness, you know, kind of thing. It's like being whimsical. Right, exactly. Like, hey, you know, like, I don't know, I'm just trying to do some kind of voice, you know, like everything's gonna be fine. Like everything's a golden retriever moment, you know, kind of thing. And the reality is it's not always, but you can still be positive in that, or you can still have the intent to believe things are going to work out or that things will get better or things will change or you can have hope. So I think that's really true to have some kind of positivity towards that. I do think that is a hallmark of trail runners because we've all been in that spot where you complete a race and you're like, I'm never running a 50K ever again. <laughs> and then after pancakes, you're like, when's the next one? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's go. It wasn't that bad, you know? So you, you quickly changed that positivity. I think positivity is one of those things that there's that saying that something rises all boats, like, you know, tide rises all boats, whatever that is. I messed that up. But right. I think positivity is kind of like that. Mm -hmm. When you surround yourself with positive people, you just feel like you can do more, you can be more, you can accomplish more. And if you've ever been around a negative person, they just suck the energy out of the room. <laughs> right. And you just get this negative, oh, woe is me kind of thing. And so I think being around positive people, and I'm very fortunate, 
you, Stephen, Timmy Time, Scott, Marcy, all very positive people. Not that we don't have our ups and downs. We do. But at the end of the day, you know, having that positivity and knowing that, hey, things are going to get better. We can get through this together, I think is very, very important. Yeah. Well, that's great. So that sounds like a really good podcast. And I think those things that you pulled out. So thank you for walking slow around a track. <laughs> I am going so slow, but I'm doing it every day. Yeah. I'm being persistent. And I have a positive mindset that my pace is going to start to improve. Yes. It's actually gotten slower as it's gotten hotter. <laughs> right. But I'm positive that it is going to improve. And I know it's going to happen, Stephen. Well, I think this is all going to be great because I think we're going to be somewhere when we're doing that 100K and we're going to be like, hey, you know what? All that heart rate training paid off and we're ready to go. So I think it will work out fine. I'm positive that's going to happen. Fantastic. So that's it, Stephen. Patience, persistence, and positivity. The three P's of trail running. Well, Stephen, one of the things we love to do is to give shout outs and kudos to the big ass runners out there. Just making it happen. Who do we have this week? So, Jeff, actually, this week we actually have a runner, and it is Yellow Runner on Instagram, and it's Sally McRae. I love Sally McRae. Yeah, she's actually a professional athlete, and she's a pro mountain runner. She's got some sponsorships by her. But what we like about her, Jeff, is she just seems like an everyday runner person that just happens to be really good at it. Yeah, she's a mom, a wife. She's awesome. Yeah, so we wanted to give a shout out to her and kudos to her. She just finished, what race was it? Badwater 135. They say this is the toughest foot race in the world. You start at Death Valley and you go up 8,000 feet, 135 miles. I think she's the first lady that finished, but seventh overall. Incredible. That is amazing. And shout out to all the women. I mean, we heard that at Western States, there was a great number of women that are in the top finishers. Hard Rock as well. Hard Rock, yeah. And then Badwater. So yeah, anyway, she's a great runner. We encourage you guys to follow her. She's definitely an inspiration. And we just want to say way to go to Sally. Way to go, Sally. Well, Stephen, this is the last episode of year one of The Big Ass Runner. And I thought we would save the very last segment. Uh-huh for one of our favorite segments. And that's one we talked about earlier that we introduced, I believe on episode 23 last year, and it's called Why I Run. So Stephen, why, I know it's one of your favorites too. Why is it one of your favorite segments? Yeah, I think for me, if I were to try to sum it up, I think this really humanizes the idea of trail running. It's like we're out there, we run, and if you don't know somebody, just another runner, right? But if you really stop and think, and I think obviously people, if you really think about it, I mean, yes, everybody has a story, but you don't usually think about it in the context of why they do something. It's like, of course they have a story. And of course they have a story. But when you think about it in the context of what motivates somebody to run, what's behind that running or why are they doing it? It becomes really powerful because it really brings in that human element. And I think especially in like a world today and just some of the things in the past couple of years, I think we need more of that and not less of it. And plus, I think the other thing I really like, Jeff, is that you learn so much when, when you actually stop and hear somebody's story. 
you may not have that same story, but you can appreciate it. So I think a lot of times people call that empathy. You really can be more empathetic towards somebody, even if you have not experienced the same thing because you stopped, you've listened, and you've heard a different perspective. Yeah, I just love stories in any way. And I think when you hear these stories, what's great about them is it's their story. Mm-hmm. You sometimes put an assumption on why someone runs or you see someone and they're like, oh, I, I kind of understand maybe what that person's about. Then you hear their story, right. like you were just saying. You understand them more and it's their story. It's unique. Mm-hmm. We all go through different things. We have different perspectives because of our life experiences. And I've just been amazed at each of the Why I Run segments have been so different. Right. Everyone's story is unique and different, but to actually hear it and hear kind of the heart behind it. You know, I think of Andy, when he's talking about his, you know, running for his son. I think about Jeb, who is processing through some grief and the loss of his father. Mm-hmm. Just each of them have been just so heartfelt and meaningful. And to really hear someone's story and understand them at a deeper level, to me, makes this segment my favorite. Yeah, it's kind of like that whole matrix movement thing where everything slows down a little bit and then you can kind of be inserted and really see that. I think as human beings, we want to put people in a category like, oh, they're a trail runner and they're probably this and they're probably this. But once you stop and everything freezes slow motion, you look around, you actually get to be inserted into that. I think that's really, really cool to hear that. I think that's why we like it. And again, how this became one of our most popular segments. And the last thing I'll add, Stephen, I think a lot of times when you hear someone's story or you deal with something yourself, there's ways that you can process that that are destructive, Mm -hmm. addictions and and other things. And to hear how, because a lot of people just run to run. They just run. I just want to run. I want to lose weight. I want to exercise. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Right. But when you hear stories about how people have used running to process something, to deal with something, and it's such a constructive thing right it's added so much value to their lives Mm -hmm. it just makes me appreciate trail running all the more yeah i completely agree yeah it's it's a powerful thing and we're so thankful for everybody who's been able to share that and be vulnerable with it and so many great stories through triumph and tragedy and joy and suffering and pain and so i think this week jeff there's another one that you're going to talk about that's going to be really incredible yes Stephen, we're going to hear a really powerful why i run we wanted to end on that with our last episode for year one and so before we hear from mark i wanted to reflect on a couple of things one is just to say thank you to all the big ass runners who have listened all year long. Yep. There's a lot of OGs out there. And if you haven't, <laughs> if you're not an OG, a lot of people have gone back and listened to all the episodes. That means so much to us. And we can say it over and over, but it's true. We just appreciate the big ass runner herd that enjoys this podcast. We just appreciate that. Yeah. And I think we're really appreciative about the partners and the community that we've built along the way as well, too, to see an organic, natural community build and natural partnerships like Path or Vander Jacket. Or, you know, I think one of the things that gives us the most joy when we see people on Instagram or Strava communicating with each other. I think that's what's really powerful with that too. So we're very appreciative of that and we're really thankful for the community and and really just year number one. And we've also at the towards the end of this first year, we added a third member of the team, though we've never met him, just kind of like a lot of our <laughs> listeners. 
We added Steve Saunders. He's been an amazing addition. He's our audio engineer. He engineers and puts together the episodes. I used to do them, Stephen, the first 39. <laughs> and I can tell you how thankful I am for Steve. But just again, he's just a great guy, does a, such a great job, and we're very thankful for that as well. So with that, Stephen, let's hear from Mark Jacksina. This is Mark's Why I Run. Hi, I'm Mark, a big-ass runner from Charlotte, North Carolina, and this is Why I Run. Or at least some of Why I Run. Because just like how each run is different, so too can be the reason that day. But mostly I run because it's where I seem to fit in the most. I first started running as a high school freshman in Utica, New York, after my father recognized something in my limited athletic ability and suggested I sign up to run our local big race, the Boilermaker 15K. Now, when I say limited athletic ability, that's not to suggest that I was gangly or uncoordinated, though surely I felt just as awkward as that at the time but rather I was unmotivated by the team sports atmosphere outside of soccer, which I wasn't technically proficient at other than wearing down other players with my running. Some of that was, and is, probably just how I'm wired. And some of that was because I was a product of moving around a lot. See, I was a child of the 70s divorce boom. I developed an ability to be both easygoing and quick to make friends, but also unable to forge many deep bonds because I never knew where I would be bouncing, from New York to Florida and back again, depending upon which parent my sister and I had decided we were going to be living with at the time. So when my father suggested I sign up to run this race, it was a true moment of clarity on his part, for a few years at least. I ran that 15K a few times, made the varsity, track, and cross-country teams freshman through junior years, Finished third in the Empire State Games for the 3,200 meters, but by the end of my junior year, things began to unravel a bit. And as would become a theme in my life, I would get close to achieving something and then quit. Part of the reason my parents' divorce was their ever-growing hatred for each other. Married young, like out of high school young, I doubt they were ever fully equipped to become parents in a changing world, which isn't to say they didn't try. I'm sure they tried their best, but between their animosity and the booze, they never stood a chance. So stability became my sister and I, and wherever we were living. It could be strict, anger-filled, middle-class living with my dad, or loose and often explosively violent living with my mom. The only constant being my sister Amy, the smell of beer, and a general sense of menace. The violence we witnessed play out on my mother in particular was horrific. Bruises, casts, and sunglasses were all a part of our mother's wardrobe. Running out into the night in search for help from a neighbor, often to no avail, that was Saturday night. I don't recall ever seeing my parents, or their friends, or my parents' partners drink in what would be called a moderate or healthy manner. I suppose never having witnessed that, it should be of no surprise that I would also never understand moderation. Of course, you could see that one coming. And honestly, for a kid who spent his K through 12, uh, or rather K through 11 years in gifted programs, you would think that I would too. But no, not really. The spring I turned 16, I quit running. Regardless of having some good scholarship prospects, and then I quit high school. 
By then, neither was much fun. My father, discovering that I was capable of putting in a three to six mile run in the morning, then do another five at cross country practice and run home two miles for supper, he had taken to the practice of dropping me off at my girlfriend's house only to make me run the eight miles home because, let's face it, not many kids could, or rather would, and he thought that gave me a leg up. I remember reading about Leadville 100 and Runner's World in 1985 and thought, what does that feel like? In the same way, an alcoholic anticipates a buzz. But by the following year, all the fun had been sapped out of running, and I forgot about Leadville or anything even remotely like it. So I walked away, or rather, ran away. I didn't start drinking right when I quit running, though I did my fair share of weekend blackouts. But it was a slow acceleration. Let's face it, I had to have a deep hatred for folks who were weak to a substance's beckoning. But also, the violence we witnessed as kids had left me with PTSD, and social situations often left me irrationally fearful and anxiety-riddled. So much so that by the time I turned 25, I was suffering full-blown panic attacks and an acute anxiety disorder. Coupled with my well-hidden feeling of being socially awkward and shy, well, well-hidden because I disguised it by always being the class clown, which is the perfect place to hide a deep need for acceptance and validation. It also turned out that these feelings and terrors could be abated by a few stiff drinks, something my sister Amy never seemed to have needed. But by the time she was killed, foot chasing a suspect in Austin, Texas, I had already transitioned from social drinker, weekend partier, to binge drinking regularly. After her passing, the grief was too much, and I pretty much drank every day for the next decade. When I say drank, I mean probably six a day. Man, when I say six a day, I mean like eight or more. Finding out how much I was capable of doing as a young runner had become a game of excesses, both as a chef and how many hours I could work, to how many drinks I could consume in a few hours before closing time. When I was 14, I discovered that rather than think about how many miles I was in the process of running or how many miles were left, I could break it down to a manageable scale, to that telephone pole, and then the next. I did the same with 16-hour work days and then with beers. And I was good at it, until I wasn't. Eventually, I became the type of drunk I despised, sloppy, angry, and repetitive. In other words, I became obvious. To me, surely everyone else had noticed a long time ago. It's a lot harder hiding a drinking problem than hiding being a bedwetter until you're 10 years old. But there I was again, fooling no one but myself. As far as having a drinking problem, anyhow. But the bigger secret was all these other things. The feelings of being inadequate, shy, afraid, awkward, and fearful of impending rejection. Those, those were well masked. The self-sabotage was buried under a natural curiosity that had both served me well as a vehicle of growth and as a disguise. Vulnerability, I had learned, will leave you battered and bruised dead. So what does this have to do with why I run? I didn't start running and quit drinking. I finished up a small home improvement project on a weekend instead of drinking, using the telephone pole trick to get me to just the next day and then the next until I wound up here, approaching four years sober. But that's not why I run. I run because it allows me to face my vulnerability, some days. 
Other days, it relieves an otherwise crippling anxiety or relieves some onsetting depression. I run because it has allowed me to, like Jeb, process some grief. It took a 25K to put me in a place to work through the grief of my sister's death. A 50K to unravel a reconciling of my relationship with my mother. Trying to make peace with why she delivered the news of her cancer to me via a late night text, then ghosted me for the remaining seven months she was alive. I run trail and ultra distances because they allow me to discover what I'm capable of. Not just in physical endurance, but in healing. I run the long runs because it's there where we are at our most vulnerable, where our character is revealed. I discover that I'm not alone. That so many of us are out here working through traumas and disorders and addictions. That's what makes this segment, the Why I Run segment, so impactful. Everybody's definition of and experience with something hard or what suffering is, is different. The circumstances of it are personal, the dealing subjective, but the impact of persevering in our little niche community is universal. These stories we share with each other, they're impactful. I run because it's something I've always done, first away from, but now towards myself, and I'm grateful for the company. Hallelujah.